0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie
0: Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Alright, welcome back. Episode 38 of the Destination Debbie Podcast. I am very excited to talk to you guys tonight because there's there's been a lot of activity. A lot of activity on Twitter. A lot of activity in the college football world. A lot of activity in the NFL. We're deep in the heart of the playoffs. The Patriots dynasty looks like it's over. Derrick Henry looks like a freaking monster. I mean, Joe Burrow. I think he's still good. We're getting ready for the national championship in a couple of days. I mean, it's just a really good time. We got declarations left and right. Jerry Judy's coming out. We saw the man, Tua Tagovailoa, announced that he is entering his name into the twenty twenty NFL draft. Uh, there are players going to the Senior Bowl. I mean, when you when you're looking at the Senior Bowl, the quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts accepted an invitation. Justin Herbert accepted an invitation. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on right now in the college football landscape. And that's, these are things that are going to affect us and sort of change what we do in our dynasty rookie drafts come this spring. And, you know, one of the things that I really, I I really need to say, I've got to say this right now is we've entered peak. Everybody wants to drop rankings on Twitter time. I mean, every time I get on Twitter, it's people who I've never even seen talk about college football. All of a sudden, they've got a top five. They've got a top 10. They've got a top 20. And I'm just kind of like, listen, what you guys need to do, you need to you need to remember. You need to pay attention to the people who have been following these guys all season long. Okay? Now, there are some exceptions to the rule. There are people, I was listening to Peter Howard uh, the other day on Dino Crossroads, and it was really interesting to listen to his analysis of these players, seeing as though he doesn't watch college football. So he's presenting the information from a data standpoint with a completely unbiased eye. He's just looking at the raw numbers and it felt good for him to say that his model, like some of the people that we've been talking about all year long, Jalen Rager, CeeDee Lamb, Camp Makers. It's it's good to to hear that sort of affirmation to what us film guys and the people who enjoy watching college football have seen all season long. So I'm just, I'm telling you guys as a friendly reminder, make sure you pay attention to the people who've been paying attention to these guys all season long, because we will try our hardest not to lead you astray. I'm not telling you, you got to listen to me. You got to agree with everything that I'm saying. All I try to do is shed some light into into some of these prospects help you get an idea of who these guys are and where you may want to draft them in your, in your rookie drafts and in your Devy drafts. And tonight, I've got a very special guest uh, to jump on and help out with that analysis. Somebody who pays attention to the college game every single Saturday. He's not like a part-time guy. He is, he is truly watching these prospects. He's dropping information on Twitter. He's very engaged in the community. He is a senior, senior Devy, scout, and ranker and writer over there at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. He hosts the Perfect Cast Podcast. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Madsen. What's going on, Bruce?
1: Hey, Ray, what's going on? Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to get on here, talk about some Devy, get everybody ready for the upcoming rookie class. Very exciting times here because the dad Right now, it's kind of static. We don't have games going on. We don't have to worry about injuries. We don't have to worry about changes. We can really dig into tape right now with a fine tooth comb and really dig into some of these guys, dig into their nuances on tape, and see how they could fit into the next level. And then also we can rewind back and look at some of the younger prospects as well. I'm very excited to talk about some of these players with you today. And thanks for allowing me to come up on come up on your show to talk about this.
0: Nah, no doubt, man. And and, and I wanted to get you on. And this is exactly we want to talk about the wide receivers and exactly what you said, some of the prospects that are coming out, some of the younger prospects. And and right now, one of the hot topics is this 2020 versus 2021 wide receiver class, right? And I know you know a lot of the guys, all the doggone guys in 2021 and 2020 and before we get into that, I just I just want your quick reaction to uh Tua to Valoa uh, announcing that he's going to enter the draft because I for one I, I I understand. I understand. I've seen I see it with my own two eyes. There's no denying the type of season that LSU quarterback Joe Burrow had. Heisman Trophy winner, most passing yards in SEC history. He's got a chance. I mean, I know it's a crazy chance, but there is a possibility that he finishes his college football season with 60 touchdown passes. He's mobile in the pocket. He's got that swagger. He's got that moxie. I mean, he's got the whole state of Louisiana on his back. But Tua, man, like Tua has been doing this for two and a half years since he came in as a true freshman at Alabama. And I, I, I know the hip injury was concerning. Some people, the, the way people were talking about it when it happened, you would think that he was going to be like amputated from the waist down. He was just going to be, he, he wasn't even going to be able to walk, do anything. And when he announced, I'm no Dr. Bruce. All right. I am no doctor. I actually, I'm a doctor of jurisprudence. I have my Juris Doctorate degree. So I feel I'm partly qualified to talk about medical injuries here, but he looked like that's got to be encouraging that he was walking across the stage, right? I mean, that's that's got to be a good thing, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know if it's early or, or what stage in the recovery process he's in, but just your quick thoughts on Tua, what he looks like at, at the next level, and, and where do you personally rank him amongst 2020 eligible quarterbacks?
1: I like Tua a lot. Um, uh, it's unfortunate the injury happened. Uh, I was really excited for him coming out. Uh, if he didn't get hurt, I'd definitely have him ahead of Burrow. I like him a lot. He he processes the game quick, and he makes decisions quick while he's uh, reading the field, surveying the field. Kind of got a little bit of a Drew Brees element when he's back there. Um, he's mobile. He's athletic. He's accurate. There's there's a lot to his game that I like. He's also been doing it for two and a half years. If he didn't have that hip injury, I think he'd be the 101. Um, he'd be – getting selected by the Bengals. He'd be the top pick in the draft easy. Uh, He'd probably be put lightning up in the playoffs. It's just unfortunate he went off with that injury. But I have him up there. Uh, He's my – I like him better in Burrow, especially before the injury. Um, Just a better prospect overall. Burrow's season, I can't – I'm not saying he's bad. He had a great season this year, historic season. I like Burrow as well, but just the way Tua processes the game while he's back there, reading the receivers, going through his progressions, it's lightning quick. It's boom, 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 and then he makes his decision. Uh, it, it, it's just going to transition pretty quickly when he gets to the next level, and I think that's going to make waves once he starts getting healthy again. I'm not a doctor, but... I, I'm going to be positively optimistic. I think once we get into the combine, when we get to the medicals, we'll know a little bit more. Um, so what from what I heard from that injury, it, it was going to take around three to four months before we start knowing a little bit more. Come combine time, that's around three, three and a half months from the injury. We should know a little bit more. We should have a little bit more data about how quick his recovery time will be. So, I'm very optimistic. I think he'll have a good recovery. If anything, he, he may start off next year on the pup, miss most of the next season, but that's all right. I'm good. I'm cool with that. Um I know he's already got the mental processing to be a starter quarterback in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. And and he is right now, right now where we're at today, uh, if I had to choose between Joe Burrow and Tua, I I feel like I feel like Burrow is a he's definitely safer, right? He doesn't he doesn't carry that injury risk. He doesn't have a freaking hip injury that you know we don't really know how he's gonna recover from. But I feel like two is upside, man. Just I, I was watching some film of him today. Some people had posted on Twitter and just his processing, man. I mean, it's it's the first read's not there. Then he's moving on to the second read, and it's just the ball jumps out of his hands. He's accurate. I, I, there's, I just love everything about his game, and it's blind faith, blind optimism, but until I hear that he is not going to be the same player that he was pre-injury, then he's still my quarterback one, but I would not fault anybody, and I'm not telling anybody to take him one-on-one in a Superflex league, but for me, where we stand today, on January the 8th, 2000, and what's the hell, year 2020, I, I, he's still... He's still my quarterback one, but we'll save the quarterback talk for another day because there's even more pressing uh, conversations that need to take place. Because right now, it seems like the the raging debate. It, it's not amongst the running backs. It's not even amongst the quarterbacks. It's the wide receiver position, and the wide receiver that seems to be more polarizing than any other player right now is Alabama wide receiver Jerry. Judy, okay. Coming into last season in the 2018 season, it was Jerry Judy. He's the man, he's 101. You know, he's there's nobody even close to him. Coming into this season, there were a couple of people out there who had, you know, CeeDee Lamb won or LaVisca Chenault won, but for the most part, it was Jerry Judy again. And where we stand today, there's a lot of There's a lot of fluctuation at the top, Bruce. We've got a lot of people who aren't on board with the the Jerry Judy being the wide receiver one train. There are a lot of people who've got CeeDee Lamb there. I've seen some with Jalen Rager there. Even, you know, Tyler Johnson is up there for some people. So where are you at in your process right now with Jerry Judy amongst your 2020 eligible wide receiver prospects? Right now, I I still like Jerry Judy. I think
1: he's a a great wide receiver prospect. I like his route running ability, how he gets in and out of breaks. He tells a story with his routes. Routes. He slows down at the stem of his routes, makes his cut, and can really get by guys. He has a sick dead leg, um, breaks off guys in the open field. But I have C.D. Lamb as my number one receiver in this draft right now. Um, I just like that he's more physical after the catch, more physical at the catch point, and um, more physical in contested catches, contested situations at the catch point as well. Um, nothing against Jerry Judy. He's a fabulous prospect, but uh, I also don't have him – like, ridiculously high as a lot of other people do that I've seen on the first. Like, some people have him as, like, a Megatron or a Julio-type level, and I just have him as, like, a really as a really good prospect, really good receiver that i like to have that could fit on some good teams. Uh, he, he's all right to be a uh, first-round pick, but I don't have him as, like, cliche saying generational talent or uber stub prospect he, he's good player uh he's excellent he's uh um very calibrated route runner but um like this class is so deep jalen rager's really technically he's not that far behind him if maybe better at him he's better at him in some aspects the deep ball high pointing the ball getting down field. cd i mean jared judy's fast jen rager's really fast um they're both solid after the catch i mean there's I mean, I, I can't follow anybody having Rager over him. I mean, there's some good qualities. I mean, Jerry Judy, he's not a Calvin Johnson type level where he just stands above and beyond some of these good players. Calvin Johnson was in this class, I think he would be immediately the top wide receiver. Same thing with Julio when he's coming out, AJ Green. Uh, jerry judy doesn't have that spazz. cd lamb i like him better as well i like he, he's just more physical I, I like that more um the pivot to the 2021 class there's pl- wide receivers in that class I like better i like jamar chase better i like it like him more because he's got that long speed and then he straight mosses folks at the catch point he gets up there um solid contested catch guy and then Rondell Moore, he's had that injury, but he's, uh, what, 180 pounds or whatever, squats 600 pounds, dangerous after the catch, runs through people's faces, um, plays like he's 220 pounds, and he's fast. He's a really fast guy, and it's just uh, uh, people forgetting what he did during his freshman year. He can't sleep on that. Um, Jerry Judy is just – he's a very good prospect. It's just he's not um, top echelon, top-shelf liquor-type prospect.
0: Yeah. And see, that's, that's where I'm at as well. And he is still a, I, I don't at this point in time, I, I I have Debbie and Debbie rankings up on DLF and, and I enjoy ranking, but I also really, uh, I, I abide and, and hold true to my tier values. Right. And for me, Jerry Judy is a tier one wide receiver prospect. Here's where I'm at because, He's not a generational talent. We got to stop throwing that term around. I don't think there are any generational talents in this draft class from an offensive skill position. I don't. I don't believe there are any generational running back talents. I don't believe there are any generational wide receiver talents. And I don't think any of the quarterbacks are generational, but there are some very good players who are going to be staples on our dynasty rosters here in the near future. And I think Jerry Judy is that. I think he is a staple starter, startable asset for the foreseeable future. But I don't see this dominant number one wide receiver. I don't see it in his game. And that doesn't mean that I dislike Jerry Judy. That doesn't mean that I don't believe Jerry Judy is super talented as, as I was washing dishes where I get most of my creative ideas from. I was, I was washing these bottles out tonight and I liken Jerry Judy, now hear me out, I have to be very careful how I say this because I will get just hammered by people who who are, are taking this as my comparison, but I really think he is like a really, really good number two to some elite wide receiver one, sort of like Will Fuller is to DeAndre Hopkins, right? DeAndre Hopkins' nuke is an elite talent at the wide receiver position. He is a top three, let's just say top three at worst, dynasty asset. Top three wide receiver in the NFL. And that offense is different when Will Fuller is on the field. And Will Fuller can give you wide receiver one weeks, but he's he's more consistent. If he could stay on the on field, he'd be a solid wide receiver too. Maybe a you know a, a high end wide receiver three wide receiver two on a weekly basis. Now Will Fuller can't stay healthy, but I, I think Jerry Judy is more a one B than a one A type wide receiver. I just you're right the physicality. I don't see that same level of physicality, but he he can do what Calvin Ridley did early in the season. Right, there were a lot of people who were down on Calvin Ridley. And he came in, and there were weeks where he was scoring three touchdowns in a, in a single week. Wide receiver one during that week, you know, uh, I think he had more touchdowns than Julio Jones as a rookie. There, I, I really believe that Judy is more of a one B than a dominant one A. Am I am I way off base here in thinking that, or or, or are you kind of kind of filling me right there?
1: I am totally with you. I think he's a solid like upper echelon number two wide receiver um, when. I think of him, I kind of compare him to previous Alabama receivers. I like him a little more than Calvin Ridley, but I don't think he's on the same level as an Amari Cooper. I think uh, if he's paired with a physical stud wide receiver on the other side, I think he could eat, um, especially if they can mix him up playing on the outside and a little bit of a slot. He did play a lot out of the slot last year as well. I think maybe about 70, 75% of his snaps were out of the slot. But – um. Yeah, I I'm, I totally agree with you. I think he could be a good complementary piece, like an, a stud piece, like a Will Fuller, like Calvin Ridley, paired with another really good receiver. I think that's an excellent description of what he is.
0: So tickle my fancy here. If he is selected, I think Washington, what do they have, the number two pick, and every, everybody's projecting it's going to be Chase Young. It's Ron Rivera there, so it probably is Chase Young. So let's say... He goes to the Giants, or who picks fourth in the draft? Uh, I think it's like Detroit is up there, Miami is up there. So if he lands on, let's just say the Miami Dolphins, right? He lands on the Dolphins with Devontae Parker, with Preston Williams. Is he the 1A on that team, or is he the 1B to Devontae Parker's 1A?
1: That's an excellent question. I think he'll probably start off being like a 1B to Parker, considering Parker's recent history. And then if he develops and gets more physical over time, he can eventually earn that spot. But it really depends on if Parker can continue what he was doing last year because we had those, what, five previous years of zero production out of Devontae Parker. And then we also got Preston Williams, who's who's, who's a baller. And if he develops, gets better, gets better off that injury, he could develop into that alpha. He's got those characteristics. He could be a solid 1B, but that could – also mean wide receiver one results in fantasy high end wide receiver two results in fam- fantasy as this Dolphins team gets better so um, the the potential's there that that doesn't sound like a great fit but it potentially is because um, Williams and Parker if they continue playing at the level they were playing at they can take some heat off Judy and allow him to do what he's good at
0: so let's talk about Judy versus the field so I know you've got Ceedee Lamb you know, as is, is your top guy. But when you're looking at some, you know, a little bit deeper, when you've got Tyler Johnson and Jalen Rager, T. Higgins, and some of the others, I mean, would you would you rather spend high draft capital in your rookie draft on Jerry Judy? Because he's going to be a top, let's just say five pick in Dynasty rookie drafts. And if we, you're playing in super flex, at least a top eight. I'm just, I'm being conservative here. Top eight pick. Would you rather spend that sort of capital on Jerry Judy or the field and wait until the second round and potentially grab a Rager or a Duvernay or a Ruggs or somebody else? What are you, What's your advice to the listeners out there? Pay up for Jerry Judy or wait and grab somebody a little bit later?
1: I think this is a good year to get your running back if you had the potential to get that in the first round. So um, we're... Judy's going to be going on that in rookie drafts. It's going to be upper top half of the first round. There's going to be a running back there. Cam Akers, Swift, Taylor, you name it. There's going to be at least one in that range. So you're good to pick one up Pick up one of those running backs, wait around, get, your, get yourselves a Tyler Johnson, Michael Pittman, DuVernay, Rager, whoever falls in that upper middle second round area, and you should be good to go. Uh, This is a deep class, and we're going to get good receivers going to that second round because we're going to have some good running backs that are going to push down these wide receivers. Um, Joe Burrow is probably going to push down a couple wide receivers as well. Uh, This is going to be a deep class that you really need to uh, test the waters with, be very Bayesian and fluid with how you are in the draft.
0: All right, Bruce. So everybody likes speed. Everybody likes the field stretcher, the long ball, Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller, those type of players who they can only catch three passes in a week and still wind up as a wide receiver one if things fall into place, right? So when you're looking at this class 2020, who are the best field stretchers, just vertical threats that you think are going to make an impact at the next level?
1: First off, for me, it's Jalen Rager. Uh, He's speedy, explosive. Uh, He can run some good routes. But what tickles my fancy is his ability to high point the ball, get up there, and catch the ball while it's contested. That's a big deal to me. Um, He can stretch the field. He can eat the cushion. He eats cushion like a pit bull puppy. But Rager, uh, compare him to some of the speedsters in this draft. Ayuk, DuVernay. Rugs, he has a better contested catch and high-pointing ability. Um, he can bring it down in the end zone if need be, 50 yards downfield, over the head, over shoulder catches. It's Rager all day. Um, I that's why I have him really up there in my in my rookie ranks for this year because just his ability to bring it down downfield. Nothing against the other speedsters; they're pretty good, they're pretty fast. But J- Jalen Ragers is on another level when it comes to that aspect.
0: Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, and I, I'm just, I, I'm not, I am not name dropping here. I am not, I'm not trying to stunt. I'm not trying to shine. That's just not how I do it. That's not, that's not my personality, but I've, I've spoken with Jalen Rager a couple of times and I flat out asked him, I said, dude, um you know, they're saying Chuba Hubbard and Henry Ruggs are the fastest in this class and verbatim, he told me, bro, There's nobody faster in this draft class than me. He said, I'm the fastest person that is going to run at the combine. And you're going to see that. Those are his words to me. There's nobody faster than him in the country. And just a little insight about Rager and just his explosiveness and just how fast he is. First of all, he is a product of an NFL family. His father, Monte Rager, was a second round pick at the Denver Broncos, had a nice career in the NFL. So he's been around. He's got NFL pedigree. But in high school out here in, in Waxahachie, Texas, at one point in time, Bruce, in his high school uh, track career... He had the nation's longest long jump at, at like during the track season. Like nobody in the United States of America jumped further than this football guy, Jalen Rager, and that just shows how explosive he is. And his zero to sixty is ridiculous. Like Henry Ruggs, when he gets going, he's very fast. Like I, there may not be anybody you know besides Chuba Hubbard with that sort of long speed. But when you're just talking about 0-60, to 60, uh, I, I don't think it gets any better than Rager. And, and another point that you said, his ability to high point the ball. I mean, this dude, his timing is ridiculous. His body control is ridiculous. And even in a down season, because his production stats weren't there, 600 receiving yards, something like that, it just it wasn't good. But I defer to stat gurus, Jesse Reeves and, and Peter Howard. And they've got some market share uh, information. If you haven't checked out Jesse Reeves' work or Peter Howard, you're not doing this right. So even in Jalen Rager's down season with only 611 receiving yards, just his market share of receptions on that team, 20%. Market share of the receiving yards, 25%. Market share of the receiving TDs, 33%. And his dominator rating, so the receiving yards and touchdowns, the market share of that in 2019, 44.2%. So even in a down season, he was the most dominant wide receiver on his team. And let's not forget, he had a 40% dominator rating last year as well. So I am not concerned about the dip in production. There's a reason for that. TCU is absolutely putrid on offense. Their offense was horrible. Horrible. Uh, I went to a couple of games and end up leave, leaving by the third quarter because it was just pathetic. So I'm with you. I think Rager is one of the best, probably the best field stretcher that can be utilized in a, in a multitude of ways uh, in an NFL offense. But uh, I, let's let's dive into just your most overrated, overrated wide receiver prospect in 2020. Who is it, Bruce? Um, right
1: now, just because uh, some rumblings of we've seen on Twitter. And I'm just kind of shocked that we've seen this kind of news, but I don't even really know if you call it news, but just statements. But Donovan Peoples-Jones being projected as a first-round talent, and I just don't know where. And it's coming from full-time guys in the industry where it's like, really, it's like you're a five-star prospect out of high school, and then what happened? You didn't play any games, and then you're coming out for the draft, and you're automatically a first-round talent like what's happened here like how this assessment go down but i'm i i really don't agree with that and um you just have to put on the film for like a couple minutes to realize that it's just uh i I just don't understand why he's being hyped right now and it's causing other people to mock him higher mock drafts because they're seeing these heads in the industry project him as a first round talent and then people are putting him in like the second round over like Jalen Rager some of these top guys and we're like what's going on? Why? 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 He hasn't been like a overall top producer on his own team uh, might might have been I mean if Tariq Black was healthy the third best running third best receiver maybe if you want to throw Ronnie Bell in there you could technically might say fourth I mean um, Nico Collins is, right now has got the as the best Michigan receiver on that team, um, not uh, not Donovan Peoples-Jones. But it's hard because I was a backer for Jones like when you first came out because you always are for those five-star wide receivers. And you're like, yeah, Michigan's probably got a guy. And um, next thing you know, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then you keep watching him play. He's not separating. He's not getting that release off the line. It's not very explosive. Not didn't have the athleticism. You can tell he's a smart route runner. He's very cerebral, but uh, definitely not a first round caliber prospect.
0: I agree with you, and I did not know you were going to say that name. So it made me laugh because I, I'm not getting it. I just don't. I don't. I don't understand that either. And like you said, it's from full time guys. Like if you're hanging on to the 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 senior in high school's projection then sure absolutely he was a five-star kid with a ton of hype but the reality is that's horrible advice to give people that this even insinuating and and then if you're gonna do it don't hedge don't he's a first-round talent well you know damn it i can name 50 first-round talents he didn't produce like a first-rounder so don't put that into people's minds so i i completely agree with you and for me it's important not to have take lock. It is important to adjust, to to take data that's presented to you, to watch the film, and to adjust your own evaluations and rankings. And I know coming into 2019, I was super, super high on Henry Ruggs and his potential upside. And I still do think that he may have the highest ceiling of all of these guys because he has something that very few people who play the game of football have and that is truly truly elite speed but I think he's a little overrated when I'm seeing Henry Ruggs as the wide receiver two is the wide receiver three in this class and people are saying they would take Henry Ruggs over CeeDee Lamb or Henry Ruggs over Jalen Rager you got to pump your brakes here I know and I've said it if if you're looking for the next Tyreek Hill you're not going to find a better person than Henry Ruggs and Maybe that was a bit premature. Maybe I was wrong in making that that assessment because when you look at the numbers and the data, I mean, he was maybe the third option. And in some games, the fourth or fifth option behind Waddle, Smith, Judy, and Najee Harris. So if you could not dominate, if you could not command a significant market share of the targets, the receptions and the receiving yards on your own team. How am I supposed to expect and project that you're going to walk into an NFL offense and do the same? And a lot of people are thinking he's going to be that number one guy at the next level. And I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on Henry Ruggs. I think he's going to have to uh, have a lot of manufactured touches to start out his career early, uh, you know, early in his career. And again, the upside is there, but I just think people need to temper their expectations on the potential or the expected productivity of Henry Ruggs early on. What are your quick thoughts on Ruggs and, and his outlook?
1: I'm totally with you on Henry Ruggs. And the one thing I keep hearing a lot is like, he's going to be like the next Tyreek Hill, and I keep hearing it over and over and over, verbatim, but... Tyreek Hill's a different monster. Tyreek Hill's got more burst off the step. He's got a quicker release off the line. And, of course, once they both get to the top speed, they're both super fast, elite-level speed. But Tyreek Hill had, gets to that second, third third gear a lot quicker. Um, also, I did a deep dive on um, rugs um, here lately on, on the film. And what I don't like about him too is not very assertive in his route running. He's not quick uh, quick in his breaks. He's not very aggressive. Getting in and out of his cuts, and it, um, for a fast guy, a quick twitch guy, that, that's kind of concerning with me. I feel like he's got some development to do in that aspect. And um, he's great after the catch and all, um, good speed. But like you said, he's going to need some manufactured touches during the early portions of his career to get himself going. And then it's up to him to develop from there. And some people are pegging him as a first-round pick just because of his speed. It might be so, but you also want to uh, not pump the brakes, but you just want to be a little Bayesian towards that and just see where he goes and just uh, just be a little calm with him because he does have some red flags in his profile.
0: It's not me knocking rugs. It's just like you said, Tyreek Hill is a different, he's a different animal. I mean, again, he, he's one of those guys who go from zero to 60, it's, it's immediate. It's instantaneously. As soon as he gets the ball, he's gone. And Ruggs does not have uh, that sort of burst and explosion. So if, if I were going to say there's an overrated wide receiver right now, just based off of where I see people projected, it's definitely Henry Ruggs. I really want to talk about that one wide receiver or two or three or however many you could just name real quick who are on your must-have list. When you walk out of your rookie drafts next spring, these are the guys that you want on your roster. They may not be top 10 picks. They may not be top 20 picks, but there's some wide receivers that you're really targeting. And I'll kind of kick it off for me, I, I like the big wide receivers. I understand that they may not be as bursty as some of the smaller guys. They may not have all of the versatility as some of the smaller, shiftier guys but I play in a lot of deep leagues where I've got five, six flex spots. And sometimes in those leagues, depending on the depth and depending on your roster construction, I sort of treat one or two of those flex positions like a best ball spot, right? You just, you know that you've got a low floor, but a potential high ceiling player there. And some of these big boy wide receivers can give you, can give you that production, especially if they're, if they're utilized as a red zone weapon. So for me, one of the guys that I'm heavily targeting is Oregon State's wide receiver, Isaiah Hodgins. Six foot four, over 210 pounds. This guy, I, I, I've said it time and time again, he is smooth. He's like the king of the double moves. He's physical. He runs very good routes. Um, he's strong at the point of the catch. He's What I really liked is his position flexibility. He's played outside at the X and, the X and Z positions, but he has also spent time Inside at the slot, and I know a lot of people don't stay up for Pac-12 after dark. And Oregon State's not a very good football team, so a lot of people have not seen Isaiah Hodgins. But man, this dude—he's good, man. And you know what kind of draft capital is he going to get? If if I'm being objective right now, where we stand today, he'd probably be a, a late day two, early day three pick, maybe third, high fourth. But he's somebody that I'm very interested in acquiring. Uh, in my dynasty rookie drafts and somebody that you won't have to spend premium draft capital on. Uh, Another guy, Devin DuVernay out of Texas. I've talked about him quite a bit. I think he's somebody who's actually going to see his stock rise. And the last guy that I think I might be targeting is somebody who, uh, uh, who people were high on coming into the season and then have fallen completely out of love with because he wasn't invited to the senior bowl. And he was sort of outshined uh, by a younger guy who's really good on his own team at times, and that's Tyler Johnson uh, out of Minnesota. I-, I was even higher on Tyler Johnson coming into the season, and he's just tumbled down my rankings. Uh, I- I- but he's somebody that I think is is even more of a value now because you're not going to have to spend first-round cap draft capital on him. You're probably not going to have to spend high second-round draft capital to acquire Tyler Johnson. So he's somebody... That I'm looking to get Tyler Johnson, Isaiah Hodgins, and Devin Duvernay. Where, where are you at, uh, Bruce? Um, to piggyback off you,
1: I love Tyler Johnson. He is a market share marvel. Just uh, get a hold of Peter Howard, let him talk to you about market share a little bit. And first thing he's going to talk about is Tyler Johnson. He's going to have a little accent for you, even with that. But Tyler Johnson's great. He's a uh, he runs great routes, physical at the catch point, makes great plays and um, he ate last year in a low-volume passing offense with Rajad Bateman also eating, a stud wide receiver, and he still held his own on the market share, Um, led the team in yardage after the bowl game, and uh, blew up in that bowl game as well. And uh, I don't care that he didn't get an invite to the senior bowl. Like, I care. Like, I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested. My eyebrows are raised, but after all, I think he's going to blow up at the East-West Shrine game. He's going to get noticed. He may get a late invite to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think what I'm interested in is how he does at the Combine. But overall, I'm looking to draft him in rookie drafts. So I want to snag him up. Even if he falls, I'm, I'll, I'll take him where he falls in the third round if he does. Take him in the second. Take him in the fourth. He's a guy I a must have. Another must have guy that I want, is Michael Pittman out of UFC 6'4", 2'10", and he's nasty at the catch point. He's physical. I like physical wide receivers. And One thing, like I don't say he, he... I'm not copying him to A.J. Brown, but when he breaks off his route, he's assertive there, and he snaps off that route, especially like the curl or the comeback. He snaps off that route really quick, so even though he doesn't have the quicks like a smaller guy, it makes it feel like that because he's a He's aggressive. He wants to get to the ball. He's, he's got that my ball mentality, and he's got so, a little bit of burst wiggle for his size. So I like Michael Pittman a lot. Um, another receiver I'm looking forward to is Justin Jefferson um he blew up this year um great out of the slot he's a great slot guy he can play outside a little bit so he's got he's multifaceted you know so he's a great option in rookie drafts he's kind under radar he'll get a little publicity on twitter every now and again but he's just sl- sailing there under the radar it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes in drafts uh, he's a great route runner um and I just I think I'm going to be able to snag him second, third round. He, people are going to sleep on him just because he played second fiddle to Jamar Chase. The casuals aren't really on to him unless they watched that last bowl game, but they probably forgot about him by now. But uh, he's definitely another guy on my radar. I, I love a lot of these right wide receivers. I can talk about them for days. I, I watched Denzel Mims. I got heavy on his tape the other day. Another physical wide receiver and go up and get it. Really fun guy to watch. I'm so, um, interested in seeing how he runs and what he does going forward. So there's a lot of good meat on the bone in this draft, and I, mean, I just want to draft all
0: of them. Dude, I, I'm I'm over here. I'm over here shaking my head and, and laughing because I forgot about Justin Jefferson. Yes. He's another one of those guys, just, he is always, always open. He he is literally uncoverable, and maybe that's because so much attention is going to Jamar Chet. I don't know, but all I know is every time Joe Burrow drops back to pass it, it seems like Justin Jefferson is wide open, and he's 6'3", you know what I mean? And he's playing in the slot. He's playing outside. I love that call because he's somebody... Again, unless you watch that Oklahoma dismantling, the casuals don't really know who he is. They know who Jamar Chase is, but they forget that Justin Jefferson, I am in mean, hell, he almost had equal to the same production as the Bolitnikoff Award winner in Jamar Chase. Michael Pittman, when you said the you weren't comping him to A.J. Brown, but just how he, he breaks off his routes, that physicality, yes. Uh, as you were saying, and I was like, hell yeah, I can see parts of that in his game. Now I know, you know, the age adjusted production didn't do it until a senior year, a little bit of a knock, but with his size, with his speed, and if he gets any kind of draft capital third round and above, he's somebody who, who my model, my newly created model will like a lot because that's going to, that's probably going to mean that he's going to get at least an opportunity to contribute. So I definitely, man, I love those. Justin Jefferson definitely is somebody that that I'm going to want to have on my dynasty rosters come rookie draft season. So real quick, Bruce, because we're running, we're running a little bit long. So just what class is better? You know, we're talking about 2020 versus 2021 and just, let me just give you a quick rundown of, of 2020 versus 2021. So we got Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, T. Higgins, Henry Ruggs, Tyler Johnson, Pittman, DuVernay. Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, Isaiah Hodgins, Antonio Gandy, Golden. I mean, we've got all those guys. But in 2021, Rondell Moore, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, um, uh, uh, Sage Surratt, Tylen Wallace, Tamarion Terry, Jalen Waddle, Seth Williams. I mean, Amon Ross, St. Brown. There are a ton of guys, and I probably missed some some key obvious names in 2021 but when you're looking at 2020 versus 2021 what class is better where are you at with that
1: ray it's a great time to be alive because we're embarking two great rookie classes with these stud wide receivers that's straight deep and uh this year is going to be a great year but 2021 is almost as deep as this year and we're going to have some guys come out the woodwork um, they're going to come out next year, and they're going to post 30 40% market shares in their junior and senior years. And we're going to be like, oh, and they're going to look fast. They're going to look good. And they're going to round out this middle, the bottom portion of this class. And it's going to look deep. It's going to look a little deeper than this class. Um, we don't know these guys. If we, go, if, we spe- if we go a little deeper, we can probably speculate on them. But I don't have the time for that right now. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the 2021 draft, but it's close. But I can tell that this draft is just going to get better as it gets going because you always get these um, these late breakout guys that comes in and rounds out the crop, and we're going to get that in this draft. We don't have that many guys in this year's draft. We've had some guys who've just been – well, I guess you might say Michael Pittman from this year, but we've had some pretty guys that have been pretty steady. Um, so we're due – we're pretty much due for next year to have a lot of late breakouts.
0: Yeah, I think when you're looking at late breakouts for 2020, it's it's Michael Pittman, it's guys like Ayuk. You know, I didn't see Ayuk popping like this. I didn't see Duvernay popping like this. Everyone thought it was going to be Colin Johnson's team at UT coming into the season. So we had a couple of uh, uh, of late breakouts and and even Justin Jefferson to a degree. I know he. He posted a pretty good season last year, but I don't think anybody foresaw this level of production. So I'm with you. I think, and it leads into the next, the next piece that I want to end the show with is just blanket strategies for this upcoming rookie draft, right? If I were going to provide some uh, very blanket general strategy, it would be to grab your running backs as many of them as you can in 2020. If you've got um, a bunch of picks in the first round, you need to go get Swift and Akers and Harris and everybody else because the 2021 running back class is not looking very good right now. Um, But the wide receiver class is deep, so that affords you a little bit of uh, flexibility to sort of, even in the first round of your rookie drafts, if you punted the top, Four or five wide receivers. If you punted Judy, you punted CeeDee Lamb, you you know, you passed on Henry Ruggs, and you just loaded up on running backs in the second round, you're telling me you can get, you know, for the casual fan, it's looking like a Jalen Rager, a Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, Devin DuVernay, Tyler Johnson. That is a lot better than settling for AJ Dillon, Zach Moss, uh, and those level of running back players. So if I were going to provide any sort of just very generalized strategy, it would be load up on your running backs, wait a little bit on wide receiver. If you if you miss out on CD Rager or Judy, I would just wait. I I'd wait and grab somebody later in the second or third, and try to collect your running backs and and maybe a quarterback if you're playing in a super flex league. What would your advice to the people be? My advice, um, I'm going
1: to take the Bruce Lee approach, and I'm going to be like water. So as you know, water, when you put in a cup, it takes form as the cup. It's shapeless. Um, you can't transform it. It can flow. It can crash. And the reason he states that is because you want to be able to change with the wind. You want to be able to change with the situation. And uh, we have two deep draft classes coming up in the 2020 class and the 2021 class so i want to be as open-minded as possible so if i get a trade while i'm on the clock and it's the right deal i need to be able to make that move i need to be open to trading back and accumulating picks i also need to be open to trading up if the price is right i need to just know my values being educated on values on the player values of these players is very necessary Um, especially um, once we're on the clock and those other owners in our classes get a little in our in our leagues get a little antsy because we're going to get some guys who want to trade up they'll give us those godfather offers they'll give us a next year's first maybe another first and a couple other picks or a player and uh, you don't want to shut that down you don't want to have those barriers up you want to be focused you want to be willing to accept those offers. You want, to, you need to know the values of each spot and each player and where they go in startup drafts. Over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, we have ADP comparisons, and we'll have average draft positions all over the board on the site. I suggest getting a subscription, and that will help you out a lot. And if you have any questions on that you can always hit up me and Ray and we'll, we'll be able to steer you in the right direction. So make sure you know the value of these players cuz you're going to have a lot more options this year and next year compared to previous rookie drafts.
0: And that's a that's a perfect segue, Bruce. So tell the people where they can find you out on Twitter and what you what you're working on right now for this upcoming rookie draft season.
1: All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Metric Scouts. Pretty easy sp- Pretty easy to spell. Straight up metric scout. And then um, right now, I'm a senior staff writer at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I work on all types of content. So I'm dropping a lot of player profiles for this uh, rookie season. I'm going to be heading up some Debbie, do a lot of um, rookie and Debbie rankings, and then also be doing some Dynasty stuff as well. Um, feel free to hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions or whatever you need. Um, I also have a, podcast called the perfect cast it's a lot like this podcast pretty laid back cover the draft may cover some other off-topic stuff like pro wrestling mma and everything uh, above maybe even a little bit of boxing so uh, just a little bit um i even got like like a little bit of Russians that even follow me because I talked about Khabib a little bit a few years ago. So it's, it's kind of funny, but um, yeah, make sure you're hitting me up there. And Ray, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. It's a great time. And I felt like we could have done this for another five hours. If, if It was so seamlessly and smooth. It's just a great experience.
0: Absolutely, Bruce. I, we appreciate you coming on. And I, and I'll tell you this man, unequivocally, you are the loudest guest that we've ever had on the DDP. So it is, it is an honor uh, to bestow that award on you. You are definitely, you take the cake, man. You, you, your volume levels are, are through the roof. So I will have fun uh, editing it, editing your, your vocal tones down. But in all seriousness, man, hey, Bruce knows what he's talking about. I mean, throughout the college football season, this guy's posting stuff, highlights, uh, not just highlights and videos of players, but informational uh, informational data points that that you can take it away, actionable items to help build your dynasty rosters. And DLF, man, they don't. I, I'm not sponsored by Dynasty League football or anything like that, but I, I'm telling you the stuff that we're cooking up over there, some new additions that we've added to the team, some tools that we're bringing to the table. If you are trying to dominate your rookie drafts and your Debbie drafts this upcoming spring, get on board jump on board, subscribe. If you do that and absolutely just hate it, I mean, it's the worst purchase you've ever made. You you can't believe I even suggested it. Hit me up. Hit me up and I'll figure out what I can do to help rectify that. But I promise you, the people that we have on board, some of the tools that we're bringing, shout out to some of the new Debbie writers, Kane and, and Matt Griffith and Caleb. And we've got Michael Liu doing some, some analytical work and Scott Connor. It's just a good group of people. And, you know, Bruce talked about Peter Howard and I mentioned Jesse Reeves, Jared Wackerly doing great, great analytical uh, things with market share to really help prepare us for the draft. So I'm telling you this, take everything, everything into consideration when you're trying to build your team, take the film, take the data, package it up, listen to this show, write notes down and be prepared to dominate because we're bringing heat I'm coming at you every week. I appreciate you, Bruce. I appreciate everybody tuning in to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go out there. Have a blessed rest of your week. And I will holler at you soon. You know what's next. Drop the